Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for meditation this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 18 through 26. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? An idol, a craftsman crafts it, casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold, and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them, and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Thus far, God's holy word. You may be seated. In the name of Christ, who is himself God above all and the only one in whom we should hope, dear fellow redeemed. It is said, while there is life, there is hope. This seems to describe the case of the six Navy pilots who left their aircraft carrier on a scouting mission during World War II, searching the seas for enemy submarines believed to be operating in the area. But when they tried to return, they could not find their ship. It seems that while they were gone, the captain had ordered a war-imposed blackout of all lights on the ship. Over and over, the frantic pilots radioed, asking for just one light so they could see to land. The pilots were then told of the blackout and that it could not be lifted even for them. After several appeals and denials of the requests, the ship's radio operator finally turned off the switch to break audio contact. Rather than risk the lives of the thousands on board, the pilots were forced to ditch in the cold Atlantic and from there into eternity. The pilots left the ship thinking they would be able to return but they found that this was a misplaced hope. In what are you placing your hope? This was a, the same question the children of Israel should have been asking themselves as they heard the prophecies of Isaiah. Even when they had a good king who reinstituted the right worship of God in him alone, it did not take long for them to regress into idolatry worship. While Moses was on Mount Sinai, the people began to worship a golden calf, 
crafted by Aaron and claim that that was a God who brought them out of Egypt. When they were in the wilderness and rebelled against God, he had sent poisonous snakes into their midst. To save them, he told Moses to fashion a bronze serpent and place it on a pole so that anyone who would look upon it would be saved. This was a wonderful picture of looking forward to the Son of God who had placed himself on the cross and whoever looks to him will find salvation. But instead, the people began to worship the bronze serpent and Moses had to destroy it. In the divided kingdom, Jeroboam reinstituted the worship of golden calves in order that his people in Israel would not go down to Jerusalem to worship the true God. Under King Ahab, Baal and Asherah worship was commonplace. You can go throughout the entire history of the children of Israel and see over and over again how they place their hope in something that was crafted by man's hands, something that they could see and feel. But Isaiah writes, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol. A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. And he seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. There were no shortages of idols in the ancient world. And you did not have to be rich to indulge in one. Whether it was gold or silver or treated wood, man would take every opportunity he could to replicate God, to find something that will last and stand on its own. The foolishness. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. They truly believed that they could fit God into an image that was crafted by a corrupt, sinful human being. One who has no clue what holiness is. One who has never looked upon the glory of God and lived. One who desires to fit God into a box of his own imagination. Sound familiar? Nowadays, we have images of God. The prohibition God gave to His people in the Old Testament has ended because God has taken on human form in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And yet we fall into the same trap, don't we? We try to fit God into our own box of our imagination. I don't think God will be that upset with me for what I did. It's not that bad of a sin. I did not hurt anyone else. Or I'm going to excuse my behavior because it feels right to me. I want to hold on to my resentment. I want to give in to my hatred for another person. I truly don't have to love everybody or do good to everyone that I run into. 
You may not bow down to worship a craven image with the head of a fish and body of a man. But we all like to choose when to or when not to recognize the authority, power, and supremeness of our God. When it comes to my behavior and how I act, well, let me just ignore what God has to say here. If this is what makes me happy, I can't be faulted for that. You can, and you are. That attitude before God is the same as creating a false God to worship. No, you are not fashioning a, a physical God, but you are elevating yourself to the position that belongs to God and God alone. You are the one that you are placing your hope in, your trust in, your self-worth, your moral compass. A sinful human being who is good for nothing on his, his or her own, but continually gets into the devil's temptations. This sin infects us all. Our nature desires to rebel against our God and insert anything else. Anything to place our hope in. So that we might just avoid the accountability that God demands. Who is that one who we are accountable to? Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing, it makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them, and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Yes, you have known. Yes, you have heard. Yes, you have been told from the beginning, we are accountable to the creator of the heavens and the earth. We are accountable to God who dwells above the earth whose word fashioned this place that we call home, whose word keeps the universe in its order. Even the vast expanse of stars in our universe, He created these. He has named these. And not one goes missing without His knowledge. He is the one who causes nations to rise from nothing, but then He merely blows on them and like the grass on a hot summer day, they wither away. From the seemingly infinite space of the universe, to nations of people, to the smallest of organisms on this earth, God knows every intimate detail about it because He is its creator. He is your creator and mine. 
There is nobody else. God is God all by himself. Though his power and greatness are enough of a reason for us to place our hope in him, there is yet a greater reason. Love. Obviously, the false gods in ancient Israel were not real, but they did hold real authority over the people. They demanded sacrifices, self-mutilation, immoral behavior, elaborate gifts. But these so-called gods had no power whatsoever to bring any blessing or gift in return for this behavior. The people would commit themselves to these things without realizing they were committing to a false hope. When Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, he mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he was musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. He knew full well that Baal would never be answering, no matter what these prophets did. But what does God demand from us? Cast your burdens on the Lord, and He will sustain you. Come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes, God demands perfection. But God knows that you and I can't provide that perfection, so he takes care of it for us. Instead, he demands or commands that we come and place our hope for salvation in him. Love is what drives God and sets him apart from any other idol that you can think of. He does not want you to be lost in the vain search for a God other than himself but he has provided everything that you possibly might need. But most importantly, that of a Savior. Every time that you and I have elevated ourselves to the place of God, we simply need to look in humble repentance to the cross where our Savior hung, and we see his blood shed for the forgiveness of that failure. We simply look to the empty tomb on Easter morning that proves that our sins truly are forgiven because God has raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus was and is true God. He is God all by himself. Together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, we have as our hope the one true God. When Jesus walked this earth, he understood the struggles and the temptations that you and I deal with on a daily basis. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Satan tempted Jesus to bow down before him in order to gain the ultimate power and glory. That's the exact same temptation that you and I deal with. 
except where you and I succumbed to it, Jesus refused. He knew that he had everything because he is God. And nothing, no matter how enticing, would keep him from fulfilling God's law perfectly in your place. And Jesus did just that. He went to the cross a perfect man. He died on the cross as the most despised sinner in the world because He was carrying your sins and mine on His shoulders. He, the perfect Son of God, yet true man, died to pay for your sins and rose again to secure your justification. And this is ultimately what sets God apart from all other idols. He showed love. Not just ordinary love, but He showed a love that knows no bounds. A love that was willing to leave His throne in heaven to come and die so that you and I might live forever. There is no one like that. There is no God like our God. Truly, He is God all by Himself and the only one worthy of our hope. Amen.